Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 72 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your hosts. I am Matt Olson. Over there, we have Danny Oakstead. What's up? And over there, we have JB. What's up? We're going back to the normal routine of not making it backwards of introductions. Normal, typical format, guys. Finally. Figures you all would appreciate that. But with that, we got a news episode for y'all. As always, before we start off the news, let's talk about our amazing sponsor, J-Dub Sports Cards and Gaming, located in the West Acres Mall in Fargo, North Dakota. They have so much magic product there, uh, everything that you're going to need. They have your Jumpstart, they have your Commander Legends, they have your Zendikar, they got Keldheim pre-orders going on at the moment. Not only can you get magic cards, but you can get their mats, their sleeves, their dice, their deck boxes, and if that's stuff that doesn't cross your fancy, they also have sports cards and Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They have everything but don't worry if you don't live in the fm area jdubs ships all across the united states if you live across the pond hit them up they'll uh, they'll work out something special with you and finally they help you get your cards graded through psa and beckett so links in the description down below for that and this is a really fast introduction compared to usual let's talk about that breakdown we're going to Pass it off to JB in the beginning here with the Boggle Desk. We're going to talk about the League Weekend results and upcoming events. We do have a banned and restricted announcement that Danny will lead off. Then more updates on in-store play. Black Lotus selling for more than you think. Uh, CFB making some mergers. And then closing off with some Keldheim talk there. Then discuss the finance. And then a deck of the week then y'all can go home and enjoy the rest of your week. God, that was really fast. I was really hoping for a little more time there. Well, y'all weren't contributing contributing to any pre-breakdown shenanigans like typical. So it's kind of hard to deviate off. And it's like, let's do the sponsor read. (laughs) There's nothing in there. To be like, yeah, nah, we're not going to do the sponsor read just yet. We have to deviate off the path, and then Danny has to wrangle us up again. Well, see, I got you to deviate a little bit. Yeah, but the good thing is, is like it was such a <laughs> clean break at the end of that breakdown to the event results that this part is most likely going to get snipped out then. Ah. Pending how long the episode becomes. See, I was waiting on Danny to, to pop in with some random sound effects. Got to download the I'm MP3s. Fig- I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get all my sound effects over to the soundboard. Oh, okay. So it'll be like halfway through the episode and we'll get yep. spammed. <laughs> Continuously spammed. There you go. Basically. Get on the machine! He got it there fucking go. added. Yadding. Of course it has to be the first one he gets. Right? 
Oh my god, I swear, if we gotta pay royalties to Burt Kreischer now, just because oh, of you, Dan. You'll probably think it's just hilarious. I hope so. He'll be, on, he'll be on the Joe Rogan experience talking. It's like, yeah, these nerds from, like, North Dakota are just using my sound bites, and it's, like, the most hilarious thing ever. That was my bad Burt Kreischer impression. <laughs> I'm surprised that you haven't watched Burt Kreischer there, fucking JB. I can still laugh at you. Making a fool out of yourself. You know, maybe that's what we got to do. We got to get a we got to get a video night going on here again, like we did for Halloween, and it's going to be a Burt Kreischer uh, marathon. Could do that. Would you be down? Maybe. Making it live here, folks. We're gonna we're gonna set this up. Probably should we do it like in a couple weeks, sometime in February. Sure. <laughs> god damn it we gave danny the keys to the dungeon <laughs> and we all are descending into madness now he is he is he, he's embodying in embodiment imbuing he is imbuing his inner morning radio talk show host with the soundboard now we just need the boing woo, 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 air horn shit or a fart noise Oh, God, don't give him that idea. Oh, JB. <laughs> I can only have four, four sound bites. What? <laughs> unless yeah. you get a pro, huh? Yeah, unless I go, I actually pay for it. Yeah. That's... Oh, he's he's going to pay for it. <laughs> no. He's going to do it. How much, is the, how much is paying for it? Because maybe, maybe that could fall under the budget of this week in MTG. There you um... go. I have to find it again. Where was it? Oh, yeah. So it's actually not bad. Lifetime is only $29. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lifetime membership at the Barney Stone for 20 bucks. Yeah. So do I. Worth it. And this, you just get fucking a soundboard. Right. That Danny will gladly abuse all the time now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's usually thirty nine dollars, but apparently I have limited offer for the next forty seven minutes. It's twenty five percent off. I feel like that's just like one of those initial things. It's like, hey, you just signed up for this, get lifetime for this price, and it's just how they get their twenty bucks more often than not. Like no one's gonna be buying yeah. it for thirty. It's like otherwise, otherwise it's nine dollars for three months and fifteen for a year. Some of that fucking pricing is goofy as fuck because oh, yeah. they're like, yeah, we'll we'll make it clearly bad deals and we'll make you buy the deals that we want you to be getting. Well, yeah. I don't know why they won. If it works, it works. And it's shown that it works. I found the fart button. Whoop, whoop. I'm not going to play it, though. Anyway. You're going to wait for the start, opportune moment. Start the show. Right? Oh, yeah, I was. So, we had a league weekend this last weekend. And we had the Pro League and the Rivals League playing. Rivals League was on Saturday. Pro League was on Sunday. Both were historic format. I'm not sure who the overall winner was of the Rivals League, but Paolo Vitor took... <laughs> Fuck off, Danny. <laughs> Paolo Vitor Damodorosa. There we go. Took first overall 
<laughs> to solidify his first place pro league standings. Um, the pro league standings are as follows so far. Uh, first place is PVDDR. Second place is Gabriel Nassif. There's a tie for third between Brad Nelson and Seth Manfield. A tie for fifth between Martin Yuza and Andre Strasky. Uh, seventh place is Gene Emanuel Dupraz. And there's a three-way tie for eighth between Andre Mangucci, Marcio Carvalho, and Reed Duke. Now, on to the Rivals League. Holy shit, how do I zoom in? Uh, control and scroll wheel up. Uh, no. It's not making the picture bigger. It's making everything else but the picture bigger. <laughs> okay, I think I can read that. I just got to get really close. It's getting really, really close. Okay, so the Rivals League standings. We have Stanislav Sivka in first place. We have a three-way tie for second place with Eli Cease, Matt Sperling, and Zachary Keane. A three-way tie for fifth place with Bernardo Santos, Luis Scott Vargas, and Christian Hauk. And a tie for eighth place between Corey Burkhart and Luca Magni. And that's pretty much it for our past event results. There really wasn't too terribly much going on. That was the big highlight, the big woohoo. So on to our upcoming events. First up, we have an FNM at home this week is going to be Omniscience. That was not supposed to be there. I figured as much. <laughs> so the FNM at home this week is going to be Omniscience. And I'm assuming it's going to be an Omniscious. Omnis- Fuck, words are hard. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be an Omniscience draft. No, uh, omniscience yeah. is the one where you can you don't pay mana for anything. Oh, okay. so you just, just get event. three cards. Okay. Yeah, the they event. supply you with the deck. Okay. And then we have some random MTGO events going on throughout the week. It looks like we have the Spotlight Cube Teamer Series Teamer Cube going on until well the end of Wednesday, which is probably the day you'll listen to this. And then we have Vintage Masters flashbacks starting on Wednesday the 20th, and it goes through Thursday the 28th. This is all on MTGO. We also have some super qualifiers happening all week. Uh, as of day of recording, Monday, today... Modern Super Qualifier, Tuesday is Pioneer Super Qualifier, Wednesday is Standard Super Qualifier, Thursday is Legacy, Friday is Modern, Saturday is Popper, and Sunday is Vintage. So if you're interested in playing some Super Qualifiers, go ham. Have fun. Let us know how you did. Yeah, send, the, send us those. Yeah. Informations. Send us the winning screenshots. Something. There we go. <laughs> and with that, I think that's that'll that'll do it for our events here. So I guess we'll pass it on over to Danny and see if we have any B and R's this week. 
Well, we don't have a BNR from this week, but last week on the 14th, Ian Duke by magic.wizards.com posted a uh, ban restriction announcement that is going to be affecting Popper. Um, Fall from Favor is banned, effective as of the 14th of last week. Um, so if you play Popper, you've already know about this. But they go in and that's what I'm looking for. Re- the, they went Describe into the, the reasoning behind the ban. Um, so this is the reason behind it as follows. Uh, Magic Online League data and tournament results from the popper format have shown that the recent addition of Fall from Favor is having an adverse effect on the metagame. Serving as both a creature removal tool and a card advantage engine, Fall from Favor pushes out aggressive creature decks and places too much emphasis on a player becoming and remaining the monarch before opposing decks can prepare counterplay. To create more space in the metagame for aggressive punish slower decks and reduce the importance of the monarch mechanic early in the game, Fall from Favor is banned in Popper. Um, they go on and state, we are aware that there's a continued community discussion around other aspects of the metagame, including, but not limited to, the role of Tron, other monarch-based strategies, and blue aggro. However, we wanted to take action to address Fall from Favor's Im- impact on the environment prior to the upcoming Magic Online Qualified Tournament on July or January 23rd. We'll continue to watch the evolution of the environment through the event and beyond, and we'll make further adjustments as necessary based on play data, tournament results, and community feedback. So yeah, we finally get a banned restriction that doesn't really affect many people, because how many people play Popper? Other than the pros. I mean, no one in our group, you know, around here that I can think of off the top of my head would play Popper, but there's Popper players out there, clearly. I know the the professor's a big advocate of Popper, and a lot of the time he is talking about it. So, you know. Yeah. I, I suppose this is an easy way of getting people, because it's still a, what, a 60-card deck? Yep, 60 cards. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all commons. Yeah, it's a little, probably a little easier for those who are starting to understand it or get into the game and playing a, Popper. And it's a pretty budget-friendly uh, format. Yeah. So, but anyway, moving along, we'll go to the blog talk of the week. So this week we actually have two. I know last week we had a few. Um, so this week I'd say, hey, we'll just go to two this time. So first off, we have from Zachary C nine two seven. Yeah, say Mark, I'm love. I'm loving these new gods from Kelheim. Can you share with us how many gods are in Kelheim? I'm wondering if there will be three of each color since the previews have shown us three black ones so far. Mark replies back, there are 12 gods in Kelheim. Which would make sense, one from each tribe or region. Plus two randoms, I guess. Because, yeah, there's, what, 10, 10 different realms so each realm has their god. Right. And then... We know all the gods as of today. Yeah, the last red one was announced? Yep. 
So there's uh, and, oh, two one, two one red out. two red gods, two yep. blue gods, two black gods, th- three questioning Volky with the back being a planeswalker. I think maybe that's the thing is like there's three multicolors because Volky turns over to a Rakdos one. Esk- yep. uh, Eska turns over to a multicolored one. Jorn, God of Winter, turns over to a multicolored one. So two black, two blue, one green, two white. Yeah. Two blue, two white, two black, two red, and then one green and three multi on the back, at least. But the th- yep. one is mono black, two are mono green on the front, and it's on the back where they're the multicolor. So. I don't know. Makes sense. Oh. Uh, and the second blog aside of the week comes from Kirko99. He asked, or they asked, uh, you said very few of the cards you design get printed as you design them. Does the fact that no one gets to play with all these cards you put so much work into upset you in any way? Mark replies back, I've designed thousands of magic cards. These days, I'm more focused on the bigger picture. Making something like Throne of Eldraine or Strixhaven happen is what excites me now. Should we be nervous if Strixhaven excites Mark Rosewater the way that Throne of Eldraine might have? And we know how Throne of Eldraine turned out. Multiple cards banned and a very uh, format. Cool cards, though. I mean, mechanically-wise, you can't deny the fact throne was a really good set yeah throne throne introduced a few chaotic abilities like broco that was just a broken card to begin with but you gotta remember though it's been uh maybe yeah i suppose strict seven would have been what a couple years after they started making um throne like actually because what's the process? Is it, is it a 10-year process before it gets out, or is it a five-year process? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they try and plan things out five years in advance set-wise. So, like, right now, their cards that they're working on go up to 2026. Okay. Like, they know they have a rough idea. Like, it's not all set in stone, but it's like, this is yep. what this is getting worked on right now at that point. I don't know if... Yep. At, at least that's according to a... Uh, drive to work a while ago i i recall things could have changed due to covid maybe they don't see that far into the future anymore or whatever but they they see a little bit into the future yeah okay well that's the blog tags of the week uh moving along to the news we go back to matt well we have an update on in-store play it's not going to be an update everybody likes to hear, but according to the WPN.Wizards.com website, monthly in-store play update as of January 2021. So, January 13th, the in-store play suspension in North America, Latinam, Europe, and Japan will remain in place and expand to Africa. In addition to these extensive to the extension in these regions, we've made the following changes to the in-store play suspension. After closely monitoring the state of the pandemic and above all, considering the safety of the community, we've made the difficult decision to place in-store play under suspension in Africa. The next update will come February 10th. 
Remote play events remain available in Wizards Event Reporter and Event Link, but any live events scheduled will be automatically canceled and removed from the store and event locator. We recommend WPN members host remote events, whether via Magic Arena, Magic Online, or Webcam. You guys can visit their guide to do that uh, through their event link to get started. Uh, they lifted restrictions around organizers taking admission fees for event runs on Magic Arena and Magic Online. Uh, we have increased the maximum entry fee to both uh, Arena and Online to $25. So that's the maximum and finally, Wizards will continue to monitor the situation and update WPN members on the second Wednesday of each month. There you have it. We're not going to find anything else in next month now about if in-store play will be happening. You know, we get, we get closer, better chances. Vaccines are rolling out. That's true. Discord's help. Um, I think Discord's how, um, helped the LGS is actually get some money coming in through gameplay. Oh, um, for sure. You got places like J-Dubs hosting their weekend league events. Magic players are nerds, so they will find a way to feed their addiction of nerdiness. And the person-to-person, or at least person-to-computer, computer-to-person interaction with cards. Right. Magic Arena can only do so much. You miss that human connection. Right. And the Spell- Yeah. The flipping of the tables. Yes, the flipping of the tables. You cause a little more damage if you flip your computer desk. Just a little bit. <laughs> than just having cardboard fall to the ground, hopefully, in a nice, wasn't, okay manner. Wasn't there a cardboard crack comic about him flipping the computer? <laughs> yeah, yep. There was a cardboard crack one about him flipping the computer. But after that WPN update, JB has some news for us about a a, a Black Lotus, a different one uh, from last week. Yup. We have up for grabs on an eBay auction is a PSA 10 signed Alpha Black Lotus. Who's it signed by? The artist, Christopher Rush. And it's only one of seven known Black Lotuses with a PSA Gem Mint 10 grade. Where's your uh, where's your soundboard effect for uh, a whistle there, Danny? Right? I don't have it. There's your whistle. Because I, I only have four sound bites I can use at a time. So yeah, it so, might have more hilarity than anything else. Right. So the card is being sold by top trading card retailer PWCC on behalf of the card's owner, David Edwards. The auction will run on eBay for 10 days from January 17th to January 27th. And it looks like he owns DM's Alpha Set on the PSA registry. It's a complete set of graded Alpha cards where only 32 cards are not graded at Gem Mint 10, and many are the top or only graded Gem Mint 10 in existence. He has been an avid collector of PSA 10 graded Alpha Magic cards for the past 13 years. This guy's got some money. Probably not happy with uh, all the, all those cards moving up in price They like they have been the last couple of years. 
Well, unless he is happy about it because he's already got him. I mean, fair, yeah. I'd imagine he's still trying to find the 32 not gem mint in his collection. Right. right. Well, maybe, oh, that's why, maybe that's why he's selling this Black Lotus, so he can get the money to get the other uh, gem mint ones. Ooh, very true. Because doesn't he have another one of these yep. Black Lotuses? He has, he has two gem mint 10 Black Lotuses. Both of them are signed. Oh, yep, right here. Right here in the article. He's got a picture of them side by side. Yep. Yes. Got him signed back in 2014. He bought yep. these in 2008. Yep, got him signed at GP Chicago. And it is authenticated because uh, Rush posted it on his own blog that he signed yep. those. Uh, so the rest of this article talk, has has some questions and stuff. The reason why he's selling this, which is kind of interesting, is uh, a quote from Edwards here. He was a kid who spent, or I was a kid that spent my childhood playing magic every free moments and then spent every dollar I made in my 20s buying all the cards I could never manage to acquire as a child. It has been a wonderful 13 years being able to cherish this card, but after you have a few kids, it becomes less about you and more about them. I've had my fun and nostalgia fun and nostalgia out of owning it. Hopefully selling it will allow me to create new memories and enjoy life a little more with my three young children and college isn't getting any cheaper. If I'm lucky, the timing is right for a new record sale. PSA Pokemon cards have been on fire and many people believe cryptocurrency rally in 2017 fed back into Magic Cards. Have read an well, article he, Yeah, he, he's clearly going to set the record because currently at... 809 central time it's sitting at $658,100 on eBay. This is the current bid. Do now, do we think that this thing is going to top a million? Yes, I do. I feel it's going to get close. I think it'll be close. I, I I think it'll be close. I I I feel like it'll probably settle somewhere between the 8 and 9. Ooh. Yeah, I was expecting more around like upper nines. Like it's 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 gonna get if it gets to the upper nines, like what's stopping it from getting to a million? So yeah, maybe you are right, JB. Maybe eight to nine. But damn, it's we got we got nine days before bidding closes, and it's already at six six and a half or six hundred fifty thousand dollars in literally twelve hours. So. We'll try to keep you guys updated on that how as as it goes on, I guess. But yeah, as we as we stated, it was um to bid on this you have to be pre approved by uh PWCC. Um because earlier today I was looking at it and it was actually up to eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars, eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and literally within the next 10 minutes fresh at every single time it literally dropped down to 658 my guess is because people are not getting authenticated and they just took those bids off so yeah you just can't go in there and select and just go it up just to have fun and if you are don't do it don't be that person don't be an asshole so now my question is okay this guy signed these things. Yep. Did he sign the slab? At least. Yeah, he he, sli- yeah, he, he signed the slab. He signed the the plastic. Okay, yep. good. I was gonna say I was like he didn't crack the damn thing open to fucking sign the card. No, he, he sealed he, it back up, right? So, so 
No, the guy brought these already read are already graded. Okay, so he just Chris signed, he signed this lab. Okay, good. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if if you look at the picture of them being signed, I was gonna say it looks it it, it looked like it was up. Yeah, because it's it's permanent marker, and if it were on the card, the permanent marker wouldn't be like thinning out. Right. So that's what I was wondering. I just wanted to make sure because I was like, oh my god, please don't tell me he opened it up to sign the card and it no, closed it back no. up. No, no, he he. Uh, David had bought these graded already back in was it 2008 um last time they were for sale so but yeah it's you'll definitely have some extra money that's for sure right yeah his uh he's gonna be able to make good memories with his kids yeah retire let's do a quick search here with for what i'm curious here for what Okay. JB's doing a live search. Yes, JB's doing a live search. You know how to Don't use Google? Her. Don't break her head. <laughs> okay, how far back does MTG stocks go? I think it only goes back to 2013. Okay. So, let's let's just let's go back as far as magic stocks goes. Just okay, so just so imagine this back in 2013. He bought it in, in, in 08. As far back as MTG stocks go, average market price of an alpha black lotus is $6,227. Weren't those the so, days? So just imagine what he might have paid for it back in 08. Now look at what it's selling for now. Imagine he has the return two on of this them. damn thing. Two the, of them. The, the amount of profit. This guy is going to make on this single card. Ridiculous. Yep. Okay, so if you, you, you factor in a couple years worth of price increase, whatever, between 08 and 2013. So you figure, okay, the average in 2013 is probably what he would have paid for a, a, a gem mint in 08. So let's just figure somewhere between the six to 8,000 range is what he paid for it. Right, just, right. Just look at the percentage. Even if this thing sells for the 250,000 record, even if it doesn't break the record, look at the percentage of return this guy is going to make on this card. Yeah, no, the, uh, that, what, what, what is that, like 15,000 percent, 12,000 per, not 12,000, 1200 percent or something like that? God, yeah, 1200 or 1500 percent. Hold on, okay, so 8,000 times. Thousand percent, shit. Eight thousand times one thousand. No, it's not going to be a thousand percent. That's not damn. Thousand percent would be eight million. So, uh, no, that can't be right. Because a hundred percent. Okay, so a hundred. How the fuck do you find above percentages? So, this week in eight, math, because one hundred percent of eight thousand would be sixteen thousand. Yes. So I don't. Okay, so I won't add the zeros in. That's what it's it is. a hundred. So it's a it's a hundred percent. Let's if it gets go, up to eight hundred thousand. No, that that would be a thousand. It'd be a It'd be no. It'd be more than that. Because if a hundred percent is sixteen thousand. This week in math. Right. This week in math. 
This week in math. I went to uh, I went to M Town. Don't uh... <laughs> right. But anyways, let's move along. Fucking unicorn is possessed. <laughs> Just randomly started singing on me. I did not. I did not. My ass is not that big. It anyway, anyway, anyway. Hipsters of the Coast has announced that Channel Fireball merges with Binder POS to launch online collectibles marketplace. In an article brought to you by David McCoy, um, Channel Fireball announced today that it was merged with Binder POS, a company that makes point-of-sale software designed for game stores to form CFB Group. The new company is planning to launch a new online collectibles marketplace called called the Channel Fireball Marketplace. How original. Sometime in the second quarter of 2021. The Channel Fireball Marketplace will launch with support from Magic the Gathering as well as Pokemon and Flesh and Blood through support of other games in its works or in the works. The marketplace will be limited to the United States for now and will allow real retailers to sell cards from the supported games for a flat 8.95% fee. Um, retailers will be required to have a legally Registered business to be used the plat to use the platform, meaning that peer-to-peer sales will not be allowed. While the Binder POS membership will not be required, Binder POS customers will receive a discount, and their inventory will automatically sync to the online market. Um, Channel Fireball, for its part, will rebrand its existing e-commerce operation to F- Fireball X and transition it to the Channel Fireball Marketplace when service launches. Sportstar, uh, Sportstars of Sports, the business entity behind Channel Fireball, was founded in 1993 with the, as a sports card realtor. I grew over time to sell games like Magic and launched ChannelFireball.com in 2009, which grew to include successful e-commerce content and esports ventures. Binder POS, on the other hand, began operating as point-of-sale software in new cu- to new customers in 2019 and has grown its roster to around 400 today. As part of the merger, Binder POS CEO Joshua Grant will become the CEO of CFB Group, while Channel Fireball CEO John Sasso will serve as the chairman. Grant told ICV2 that the newly combined company would seek its formal Series A funding this year. End of article. So this is going to be exciting to see how this turns out. Uh, A couple bits of information from the official article announcement on ICV2.com. Well, first off, before I go into that, I've never heard of uh, Binder POS, but I'm assuming it's because, you know, we're not retailer retailers that had to think about something like this, but their software has around 200 retailers using it between us and Canada. And that's big of a big enough of a, uh, a move that channel fireball wanted to work with them and see they offer integrations through Shopify to Google Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace, Instagram selling, and Amazon. And 
they will be integrating with eBay in the coming weeks as well and moving away from Shop the Shopify structure because of this. Solid. This is kind of exciting. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to think of it. I'm not a big brain retailer, I guess, but the merging of two companies like this, like since Channel Fireball lost a lot of in-game events, moving to online was one of their big things. And I think that they succeeded successfully uh, moving over to online events, doing, you know, the CFB Pro showdowns, and uh, they launched CFB Pro during COVID and stuff to help make more of an online presence. And then also hosting the Commander Online events as well. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know. Comparatively, I think Channel Fireball has really good online experience. And integrating with Binder POS is going to be good for everybody. But I don't know. <laughs> I am, I'm not a person that's in that in that realm but well i think we've had enough of that kind of talk how about some new keldheim talk sure so boy do we have a lot of new stuff we got the rest of the gods announced so all 12 gods have been announced a new set of lands that has been fully revealed as well i really like all these lands um, it's new mythics, new sagas all got announced in the time of last week as well. So who wants to take it away with some cards here? Me. So first up is another new mythic called Starnheim Unleashed. Two generic, white, white, get a sorcery, create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. This spell was foretold. Create X of those tokens instead, and the foretell cost is XX white. Solid. Right. And the art is very wonderful on this card. Yes, it is. You Especially got the... the borderless. Oh my god. So I I shared this card with between us three earlier today. It got released today. But we have Doomscar. It's a white, white, three, sorcery, destroy all creatures. So basically, Wrath of God. Yeah, for three mana. But, but with a kicker. It has foretell. For white, white, one, cast for, foretell, turn three, turn four, or turn four on, you have Wrath of God for whenever you wanted to play it for two. This thing is going to be bonkers seeing it in insert whatever format you want. Yep. Actually, I mean, you, you, you can have this thing on turn three. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Well, turn, you could. To, turn to two, foretell four. it, you pay two mana. But, but here's the thing, though. And then it, the foretell cost is three, so you can turn three board wipe if you need to. Well, I suppose, yeah, turn three you could. You, yeah, you just can't play it the same turn you played exactly. or you foretell it. So. Yep. Correct. But yeah, that the uh, I kind of want to see that one foil just because the art is pretty sweet. Right. Yeah, like, I'm is. excited for this card, but then I, I think about it and I'm like, you know, this is another thing that freaking blue white control gets. Yeah, like this is dumb. Like now you're just enabling blue white control. Now that they have a, a a better supreme verdict. 
They can just lay out there over your head whenever. Like, whatever. Hey, look at this. I got a three-mana board wipe. Oh, I'm going to foretell this card. Can I can I talk about the potential follow-up to that board wipe? Sure. In blue-white no. control? No. Ascend- Don't give our control players ideas. Yes. Ascendant Spirit. A single blue for a 1-1 one, one snow creature spirit. It has... Snow, snow, you pay any snow mana. Ascendant Spirit becomes a Spirit Warrior with base power and toughness 2-3. Another activated ability of snow, snow, snow. If Ascendant Spirit is a Warrior, put a flying counter on it and it becomes a Spirit Warrior Angel with base power toughness 4-4. And then it has snow, 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 snow. If Ascendant Spirit is an Angel, put two plus one, plus one counters on it and it gains. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. If I'm not mistaken with that last activation, you can activate that multiple times, not only to put counters on it, but I think it also, oh, but it doesn't retain it. Never mind. So yeah, you just keep putting more counters on it and you can draw cards when it deals damage. So this would be a good follow-up. Turn four, board wipe, uh, turn 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 four, doom scar. Then with your extra blue mana left open you cast ascendant spirit right dumb stupid so you know what else got spoiled we got a rune card spoiled Ooh, yeah jb is all about so, these rune cards so far, right now so far this is the only rune and we are at what like 261 out of 285 right now so far spoiled yeah yeah Live, 264. 264 out of 285. And we've only had one rune card spoiled. Yep. And it's a blue one. So hopefully, this last dump of spoiled cards, we get a bunch of rune cards. Because this has my hopes up. So we got rune of flight. For one and a blue, you get an enchantment or a rune. You enchant permanent. When rune of flight enters the battlefield, draw a card. As long as enchanted permanent is a creature, it has flying. As long as Enchanted Permanent is an equipment, it has equipped creature has flying. So now, the reason this excites me, it's 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 blue, okay? It's not something that I, I would play in Boggles, but it gives me hope that the other runes are going to be similarly costed and maybe have similar effects. Therefore, they might be playable in Boggles. I mean, if... If if this is the set to have something for Boggles, now now that they announced that Rune is an enchantment, I mean, I right, don't see why aura. not. I mean, this could easily be played in, in Bant Boggles, which is an, an accessible form of Boggles. It's just I don't like splashing for blue. I think it's just a little too crazy of a mana base, but it is possible. It's just dual lands. Your land, your land will just go up in price, but wouldn't be too hard to get it. Well, no, because they run force negations and stuff too. So there's a big, there's a big price hike. Force of negation. If you want, but Can no, it, it it gives me hope for for what these rune cards are going to be, for the rest of the colors. So a card I'm kind of I don't know if I would say I'm excited about, but it's a notable card for people that, uh, I guess want to pay attention or want want snow synergies. We got a functional reprint of a card called scrying sheets 
uh, I'll read Scrying Sheets first. This is not the card that we were talking about, but Scrying Sheets is a card that was printed in Cold Snap. It's a snow land that at, taps to add a colorless to your mana pool, and then you pay color, you pay generic snow, tap, look at the top card of your library. If that card is a snow, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. So the reprint of it is Frost Augur, a single blue snow creature human wizard, 1-2. It has snow tap. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a snow card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. Solid card. So a little more mana efficient, but it's on a, a body, so it's more vulnerable. But this is important because Scrying Sheets, since Keldheim got announced, it's now 25 bucks. Right, and I saw somebody post in one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook where they, they got in and they pre-bought a bunch of scrying sheets for like 12 or 13 bucks a piece. And they were hoping that they would spike because of snow and call time. Well, they got it at the right damn time because now with scrying sheets, what, like 30 bucks? Uh, market price, according to MTG Stocks, is $24. The average price is 29 So, I mean, people are selling it higher than what people are buying it at, but... It's not too far off to believe, you know, between 24 and 30 bucks is what people have been buying still, scrying sheets for. The dude that got in at 12, 13, he's making 10 bucks on card. Right. Selling it for market value. Foils are $81 right now. Oof. But I just wanted to pull that, point that out for people who want to make a snow deck. You now have your scrying sheets, which is kind of scrying sheets is a valuable thing for snow. We've got a bunch of snow, frost auger. It's blue. So that's the downside. You know, it, it goes in blue snow decks, blue X snow decks and stuff just so you can have frost auger, but I don't know. Pointing that one out. So I'm excited about this new white god. Redain god of the worthy for two and white. Get a legendary creature god. It's a two three with flying and vigilance. Snow lands, your opponent's control, enter the battlefield tapped. Non-creature spells your opponents cast with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast. Then on the backside, because it's a modal double face card, backside is Valkmira Protector Shield. For three and a white, you get a legendary artifact. If a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, Counter that spell or ability unless his controller play, pays one. This, and it's only a rare. This is super cool because it's like multiple different taxes in one card. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch of uh, prevent all but one damage effects in white, uh, but solely on a, a on a card by itself without ability. And this gives you it and then a taxing effect as well on the back half. And the front Man. half's not bad either. The showcase art is sick. God, yeah. No, all the showcase art. Home runs with the showcase art, no matter what. Right? But uh, one thing with writing is, I really hope this isn't, this isn't the quote-unquote snow hate card that we were <laughs> that we were told was coming our way in Kaldheim here. Because if it snow lands, your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped to slow them down a turn. That seems kind of seems kind of weak sauce, right? But who who am I? You know, maybe having the snow enter in tapped is actually going to be just enough of an advantage for you know for you to overcome your opponent's snow deck. 
Is Danny going to talk about his awesome green card yet? Which one is that? The enchantment. Oh, I suppose we didn't talk about that because that came out. Yep, came out yeah. after. I was just scrolling up and I saw it and I was like, oh, Danny's yeah. got to take this one. I guess I can. So, Green Enchantment in Search of Greatness. It's uh, Green Green. For enchantment, obviously, it's a rare. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a permanent spell from your hand with converted mana costs equal to one plus the highest converted mana cost among other permanents you control without paying its mana cost if you don't scribe one. So, yeah, turn three, you could hope you have something else out. Play for free. Well, you're always going to be casting some. You're always going to be casting a one drop from your hand if you have it, or you're going to be scrying, because yeah. it says plus the highest converted mana cost among other permanents. Lands are permanents. They have a CMC zero. So you get your uh, land of war elves or arbor elves in for free. Or let's do a quick standard search here. Let's see if there's any CMC equal to one what are the one drops in the set oh my god you can get an ascendant spirit for free on turn three you can get a battlefield raptor a one drop one two bird first strike flying in for free there's endless things you can do in commander with it yeah yeah for sure in commander okay hey hold on hold on hold on hold on what are you talking about now here for getting something it's not cheaper no you get a cast for free yeah the one but drop. How are you going to get an ascendance? How are you going to get a one drop for free on turn three? Because it's a one drop. One plus the no, highest CMC. One plus the highest converted mana cost among other permanents you control. Other permanents are oh, land, JB. If you have nothing else. Yeah. Yes. That's if, what you're saying. But if you lands don't. are free. Yeah. But if you don't have any one drop in hand, then you are going to scry. Right. That this, seems really risky, though, if you're going to keep a hand with no other permanents and just this. No, it's cool. it's not that. It's the fact that. If you were to have this turn two and all your stuff is three or higher in your hand, that's why you'd keep it. It's right, just, but that's just it's taking, the start, taking the start, turn one and two off just seems like a really, really, really who, bad. Who says you're taking turn one and two off? Like You could still cast something turn one and then get a two drop on turn three for free as well. Yeah, there's people will break it. Right. I mean, I'm not saying they're not gonna, but it's like, ugh, I don't know. Like, it definitely has its drawbacks. I don't think it has any real drawbacks because even scrying one, like, people love. Yeah, you uh, through your stuff. People love Thassa, uh, God of the Sea, uh, OG Thassa, two in a blue upkeep you scry card. This is the exact same thing with that, but it has the other upside of you can play things for free. <laughs> For free in green. JB, I think you are definitely undercutting this card. Let's see. what yeah, a pr- green, green doesn't need any more damn love. I mean, yeah, we're only at greens, but it's happening. Right now, white, people, white are, love, people are buying this card. Uh, according to Scryfall, you can get it for thirteen sixty three. People are pre-selling this for 13 bucks. White is like the red-headed stepchild in Magic. It's about time it gets some damn love and gets let out of the cupboard. But just acknowledge the fact, In Search of Greatness is probably going to be making it in Tier 1 decks and Standard, Historic, and I don't know, I, I think Modern is going to want this as well, too. Like, I could see Pioneer over Modern. 
Uh, I'm thinking right now, like Ponza, right? Like you're dropping, maybe not Ponza. Because, I mean, turn three, you get a free Ren and six because it's like turn one, Arbor Elf, turn two, this, I guess, or turn one, Utopia Sprawl, turn two, this, turn three, Ren and six for free, and then cast whatever else you want. Sack, get more lands. Doesn't seem too bad, in my opinion. Or yeah, even the thing is, Uro style decks. Would you re- wouldn't you rather have your Ren and Six on turn two? That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, yeah, you're you're putting yourself behind to get stuff for free. Yeah, but you're the the, the payoff is greater because on turn three you're getting a free two drop and you got three more mana to spend. On turn three, you effectively have five mana at your just that you just use that turn. I'm still on the fence about it. JB, you will you will see. Okay, how about how about this? I know this is probably not going to work in boggles, but I'm just going to point it out here now. If you have a boggle out that's enchanted with ethereal armor, you can cast a daybreak coronet on it for free and then save mana, making more mana efficiency. I know I know that's not a thing that boggles wants, but I'm just saying no, there's a possibility it, no. for it that as well. Because it no. <laughs> No. No, just no. Okay. Can can I bring up another card that I was questioning you for the rack? No. Skull Raid. Three and a black, it's a common sorcery. Target opponent discards two cards. If fewer than two cards were discarded this way, you draw cards equal to the difference. And it has foretell of black and a one. Now, with this, if your opponent has no cards in hand, it's essentially a black uh, four mana, draw two cards, or foretell for, for two mana, two mana, draw two cards, if your opponent has no cards in hand. Or even, you know, like, you two mana, make him discard two cards, or discard a card, you draw a card. The fact that you have the chance to go up a card, I'm not saying this is like a, a four of, maybe, in, in a rack deck, but I think it should be looked at. In the interact deck to give you that no. card advantage, that extra reach that you would want, no. and the fact it's that you can slow. you can be pitching this to foretell and not have to worry about discarding it yourself is too slow. Even with foretell, it's too slow. It's just you're spending that mana. That two mana can be invested in other ways. Even every single rack group that I'm in is saying, "Oh hell no!" to this. They were all excited at first when they first started reading it, and then they looked at it and they're like, "No." just ain't gonna work it's just too slow even for telling it it's too slow you're taking two mana that you could wrench mind and take two cards instead of oh hey i'm gonna just pay this off and then pay another wrench mind so you essentially could get two wrench minds for the cost of this card you could be discarding four cards instead of two cards or you could be drawing two and cards you have, which could get you, have you castle lockwain for that yeah just a castle lockwain to be drawing cards i don't know I'm not a rack player, but I think that there's possibilities but for this. The thing is, rack also doesn't want lots of cards in hand. You have ensnaring bridge. That's your safety net. Yeah, but what do you do if you don't get you to your ensnaring game. bridge? Oh, you're gonna get ensnaring bridge. Well, it's a card I enjoyed and I like it. It's got potential, but it's just too slow. It's just too slow for that deck. Especially because what are you gonna take out? Anything you take out is gonna be better than this. Any any other cards you all want to talk about or uh, we got Cosmos Elixir. Right. Four mana artifact. 
At the beginning of your end step, draw a card if your life total is greater than your starting life total. Otherwise, you gain two life. Does this go in Soul Sisters? Could be anything. I mean... It's four mana for for modern. Four mana and Soul Sisters does seem pretty aggressive. But in like any right. EDH deck... EDH yeah, is going to love this commander, thing. Um... So Tybalt's Trickery. Red one, instant, counter-target spell. You hear that? Counter-target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their libraries until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost. They uh, Then they put the exiled cards at the bottom of their library in a random order. This card has a deck. Uh, getting brewed around online and has put up results in cockatrice goldfishing plays and things like that where you can like get the cards from Keldheim and play with play tests with them. And this is in a uh, Jund, a Jund Cascade style tech where you cast Emrakul on turn three 80% of the time, according to numbers done by mathematician extraordinaire Frank Karsten. So... What typically happens is you cast one of those three-drop Cascade spells, oh man, and the Cascade trigger goes on the stack, and you cast that spell. How are you supposed to counter it? I can't remember the order of countering it, but it's it, link. I'll, I'll find the link. I'll put it in the description below. The deck looks very dirty. The consistency that it has is stupid, and for sure, decks that are going to be doing this is not going to be a flash in the pan. It has potential. All right, so next up. We have a card that is going to slot into my current standard deck that I'm playing on Arena. It, You're playing I'm Arena, sure JB? And I'm sure it's going to go elsewhere, too, um, if anybody who knows me. Uh, so we have Righteous Valkyrie for two and a white. You get a 2-4 Angel Cleric. It's got flying. Whenever another Angel or Cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. As long as you have at least seven life more than your li- starting life total, creatures you control get plus two, plus two. This is going to slot perfectly into my cleric deck. This is a card that slots very well into Soul Sisters as well, because I'm pretty sure most of them are clerics. But I mean, the fact that you're gaining life and the second effect of giving all your creatures plus two, plus two is pretty good. Right? Seven more life than your starting total is not that hard of a requirement for for decks like that. No, it is not. And in your cleric deck, correct me if I'm wrong, Bishop of Wings, that's a cleric, right? Bishop of Wings is no longer standard legal. Oh, is it not? Damn. Nope. Uh, M20 rotated out, bro. That was an M21. Thank God. But you have things like uh, all, all, the, all the new clerics that you got from Zendikar Rising. Mm-hmm going to be getting more clerics from uh, Dungeons and Dragons coming out this summer. Go. And Vito is standard legal. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's amazing. Oh yeah, Vito does work. I do enjoy Vito in that mono black deck that I'm still running uh, that was brought up a couple weeks prior by a listener of the show, Ono. But that's all the Keldheim talk I think we're going to do tonight. Let us run through the finance super quick. As always, the finance section is brought to us by the fabulous 
mtgstocks.com, where they have their weekly winners article that they come out with every Friday that talks about three to five cars that have moved up in price and three to five cars that have moved down in price that is noteworthy for you as a Magic player to be worried about. First up, we have Riss the Exiled. For green two, Riss the Exiled is a legendary creature elf warrior that reads, whenever Riss the Exiled attacks, you gain a life for each elf you control. And then it has black second elf, Regenerate Riss the Exiled. It's a 3 2 uh, from Morning Tide. The card has jumped up 523%, now sitting at $23. This card was originally like three bucks not uh, just a couple days ago, but due to the recent showing of black green elves as uh as as the way for elves to be going like this is a pretty solid elf commander plugin making a bunch of elves and and black like you're getting a bunch of black green elves in Kelheim. so that's why this is moving up in price uh those that like that keep an eye out oh um so they write their article mtg stocks writes their article on friday we read record our episodes on Monday. So prices may have changed since then and we will let you know if that is the case. Right now, the market price on Risk the Exiled is $8. Uh, catching up what it was prior, again, it was under $3. It's now moving up to 8 You can find them on Card Kingdom. Oh, probably all sold out on Card Kingdom. Yep, on Card Kingdom, all sold out. So you can only buy on TCG Player, which are selling them for 17 bucks. Next up... In the weekly winners, we have Pox uh, from 5th edition. It is Black, Black, Black Sorcery. Each player loses a third of their life and discards a third of the, their cards in hand, then sacrifices a third of creatures they control, and then sacrifices a third of their lands they control round up each time. Oh my god. It has seen a 79% increase, now sitting at $7.13 as of Friday. But today, you can find them for about 4 bucks. Uh, there is another printing uh, from Ice Age that is a wee bit cheaper. But Pox has moved up in price due to another card from Kelheim. Uh, Trait... Uh, Turgurid, God of Fright, the 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 sacrifice god. We didn't read this one, but this is one of the other gods. It's Black Black 3, 4, 5, legendary god, menace. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Now, this is a card that I would try and jam and rack over that Skull Raid. Turgurid? Mm-hmm. Because of the back as well, uh, since it's a god, it has a flip. It has a flip on it, and the flip is a three uh, Turgrid's lantern, black three legendary artifact. Tap target player loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card, and then it has a three and a black. Untap Turgrid's lantern. Yeah, this won't be bad in rack. But the reason for the 5th edition Pox to be moving up is 
predicated on the printing of this card and sack and discard effects are becoming to the front of everybody's mind. Then finally, we have Astronaut's Altar, the version from Antiquities, which is three and a black. You ha has the activated ability of sack a creature, add colorless colorless to your mana pool. This card has moved up uh, 144% up to $69 giggity. So it seems that Astronaut's Altar is price is uh, the rise of it is in a similar vein, but different in a few. Er, Astronaut's Altar sees play and is getting reprints. It has a Chronicles reprint and in an infinite set for deflating a lot of value back in the day. And that's the reason why it's getting mentioned here. Apparently, the investment in older cards is now also driving up prices of cards that are getting played and are seeing reprints. And in sack style decks and getting mana doesn't seem too far off. People want the older version to, I don't know, make a statement piece in their deck. But from there, JB, you want to take it away with some cheap pickups? Gladly. So first up, we have a card that I personally hate. We have Vendillion Click from Masters 25, sitting at $9.90, record low and under $10 for the first time. Vendillion Click is one blue-blue for 3-1 Legendary Fairy Wizard with flash and flying. And when Vendillion Click enters the battlefield, look at target player's hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player reveals the chosen card, puts it on the bottom of his or her library, then draws a card. This thing has been used against me one too many times. And it pairs by... very well with Narset. Yes, by Matt. I like this card. Of course you do. You sick, sick bastard. So next up, we have a couple Double Masters cards. We have Riku of Two Reflections, sitting at $6.55, record low and bottomed out. Riku of Two Reflections is two generic, green, blue, and a red for a legendary human wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may pay blue-red. If you do, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay green-blue. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that creature. A powerful commander that was super expensive at one point, but now becoming uh, available for everybody to get again. Right? And then last but not least, we have uh, Batter Skull coming out of Double Masters. Sitting at $8.13, record low and trending down. Five generic, yet an artifact equipment with living weapon. Equipped creature gets plus four, plus four, and has vigilance and lifelink. You can pay three to return Batter Skull to its owner's hand and equip for five. If you guys are interested in picking up any of these cards at their current price, or if you're patient enough and want them to go cheaper, check out TCG Sniper an amazing website resource where you enter in cards at a desired price and you get notified when cards get brought to that desired price, whether it be more or less. If you go over there and mention that the guys at This Week in MTG, at this week in MTG sent you, you will get three months of TCG Sniper Plus. But 
from there, we have a deck of the week to talk about. Okay, so we have a modern deck called Badzan, built by Antoine57437. This is on Moxfield, and it looks pretty cool. I'm not going to lie, it's an Aether Vile deck with Coco. Who doesn't like that pairing? And it's also got a little bit of a blink style in there, too. Really tickles First, JB's fancy with that. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, and it's in my favorite colors, so, I mean, it gets bonus. So first up in our creature package, we have two Birds of Paradise, standard mana dork. Uh, next up, we have four Eternal Witnesses, one green-green for 2-1. You get, when he enters the battlefield, he returns a target card from your graveyard to your hand. So that'll come in, into play later. Then you got four Flicker Wisps, one white-white for 3-1 elemental flying. When it enters the battlefield, exile another target permanent. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Four Giver of Runes for protection. For a single white, you get a 1-2 core cleric. Another target creature you can... Or tap. Another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn, which is key. Can give you protection from walking ballista. Important. Very important. Next up, we have three Knight of the White Orchids. White, white. You get a 2-2 human knight for the first strike. When Knight of the White Orchid enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a Plains card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Just some extra mana ramp there. Never hurts. Next up, we have two Scavenging Oozes. Another card that I'm pretty high on. Love this card. For a generic and a green, you get a 2-2 Ooze with an activated ability of green exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Scavenging Ooze, and you gain one life. Sometimes it's always important. You can pick things out of people's graveyard. You can buff your own creature if you want. <coughs> Sorry. What? You 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 can take an Uro. Yes. With the scavenging ooze. Scavenging ooze also picks apart dredge pretty good. Just saying, I've done it a couple times. <laughs> or any snapcaster dot deck. Yup. And then next up, we have a little bit of removal staple to a creature with Skyclave Apparition. There's four of them. One white-white. You get a 2-2 core spirit. When Skyclave Apparition enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-land, non-token permanent you don't control with converted mana cost four or less. When Skyclave Apparition leaves the battlefield, the exile card's owner creates an XX blue illusion creature token where X is the converted mana cost of the exile card. One of the newest modern powerhouses of cards have been printed. I love that card. So fun. And next up we have four Tide Hollow Scullers. For white and a black, you get a 2-2 zombie artifact creature. When Tide Hollow Sculler entles the batter... Entles. 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 When it entles. When Tide Hollow Sculler entles... 
Too good many job. fucking good elves job. in this shit. Oh my god. Future uh, Matt. Holy uh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> god damn, words are hard today. They're getting Okay. <laughs> when Tide Hollow Sculler enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand, and you choose a nine land card from it. Exile that card. When Tide Hollow Sculler leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to its owner's hand. And you got two wall of omens, one in a white. You get a 04 wall with defender. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. And then rounding out the creatures, you have two wasteland stranglers for two and a black. You get a 3 2 Eldrazi processor with devoid. And when Wasteland Strangler enters the battlefield, you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. If you do, target creature gets neg three, neg three until end of turn. So yeah, it's pretty creature packed. But I like they all the, have some pretty good ETB abilities. I like the interaction Wasteland Strangler has with Tide Holler Sculler, Skyclave Apparition, and Scavenging Ooze. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like that? pick off those prowess creatures right or at least weaken them you know then this deck has four collected companies green three instant look at the top six cards of your library put two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield put the rest at the bottom of your library in any order it's four of those and Four ephemerates. Single white, instant, exile target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control, and it has rebound. If you cast this spell from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. And then it closes off with four ether vials. One drop artifact, beginning of your upkeep, put a charge counter, you may put a charge counter on it. Tap. You may put a creature with CMC equal to the number of charge counters on Aether File from your hand to the battlefield. Yeah, this is just drop down creatures, get some very beneficial ETBs. Ramp with Knight of the White Orchid, draw cards with Wall of Omens, uh, and then return your spells, exile your opponent's board, and then just do it all over again with your f- flicker effects like Flicker Wisp ephemerates and then you could just drop a bunch of them in with uh, a, a collected company mm-hmm. good stuff now in the sideboard here jb maybe you can answer this a little better why is there three magus of the moon red two 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 human wizard non-basic lands or mountains and a single sacred foundry I'm thinking the Sacred Foundry is so you can hard cast the Magus. Right. Worst comes to worst, hard cast worst it. Worst comes to worst. Otherwise, you're going to be wanting to vial it in. Or cocoa in it in. Yep. Because it does hit off cocoa. I, yeah, I guess, you know, it's just bizarre to have that there. I mean, why not? It. You got an Aether Vial. Yeah, you you're not. Have, you also have a, a, a basic forest, so you could cocoa. Very true. Very true. I mean, it'll it'll as long as they don't counter it, it'll fuck up control decks. I mean, you're not wrong on that either. You file it in, you know, unless they have a counter activated ability. And you could get it back with e witness. Yep. I mean, I like it. It's spicy. 
This deck does look good. Clearly, they're rounding out the sideboard. You got three Oriok champions, because why not? You get white, white for a one-one human cleric. It's got protection from black and from red. When another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. And it's got a singleton Gadok Teague, green, white. You get a two-two Kithkin advisor. Non-creature spells with converted mana cost four or greater can't be cast. Yes, I see you, Cryptic Command. <laughs> Non-creature spells with X in their mana cost can't be cast. Then it's got a single guy's blessing, I'm assuming, for Mill. Mill's been around a lot since Zendikar Rising, so it makes yep. sense. So it's definitely good to hedge your bets against Mill. Uh, we got two Kaya Orzov Usurpers, one white-black. You get a legendary Kaya Planeswalker, comes in with three loyalty. Uh, plus one, you can exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Neg one, exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. And a neg five, Kaya Orzov Usurper deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. So it's just another way to push the exiling up a couple notches. And if you get to that alts, it's not bad because you're putting things to exile. Right? And we already covered Magus of the Moon. And then we got two Phyrexian Revokers, which is always like a solid card. Uh, for two generic, you get a 2-1 artifact creature horror. As Phyrexian Revoker enters the battlefield, choose a non-land card name. Activated abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated. Good to note that this hits. Nope, never mind. Doesn't hit. Pithing needle is the one that would hit lands. Uh, There's another one I think that does. The only thing, no, this one hits a lot of shit. Yeah, Uh, but you can hit this off of a cocoa, or you can vial it in in response to something. So that's what makes this better than a pithing needle in this build per se. Yep. No, Phyrexian Revoker is good. I'm working on picking up a couple copies myself. I think I've got one or two already. And then the last card we have is another favorite of mine, especially for, you know, matchups like humans or other things. You got Plague Engineer. For two and a black, you get a 2-2 carrier creature with Death Touch. As Plague Engineer enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type your opponents control get neg one, neg one. It's definitely a good board sweeper. It's a definitely definitely a solid sideboard to interact with most matchups here. Because mm-hmm. Kaya takes care of your Uro style decks and your snappy kind of decks that are casting things from your, the graveyard. Megas domes anything that's not red. This deck looks right. super fun. I mean, with the premise of you know ramping a little bit and then just like bouncing everything. Sky, you know, removing your opponent's non-land permanence with Skyclave Apparition. It's God, Skyclave Apparition is just like a house of a card. So, question is, oh, more options. Duplicate. Is that what I want to do? <laughs> Are you copying it over to yours? Yeah, I want to copy it so I can build it later. Wow, you really want you really like this deck, JB. Yeah. Um, easiest would be more options, just export. Okay, I was going to say either export or duplicate, right? Probably. 
Yeah. But let it be known that this deck in paper costs $667. Big majority of the price is from those Aether Vials. A place out of that is $130. And the, of course, you know, the land section, always expensive, has four marsh flats, and that's $134 for that fetch land. So it's like... You find another replacement for Aether Vial, which would be really hard to do. I don't think this deck would operate as good without Aether Vial, so that would be kind of hard. But you could work around the mana base and shave off probably 200 bucks from the fetch lands. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can easily... I mean, uh, this deck should still work with a budget mana base. Right. But yeah, I do. I do feel that the the aether vials are needed. What what would you do in place of the aether? This is what you do in place of the aether vial. You put in in search of greatness that green green enchantment from Keldheim. Yeah. There we go. Look at this guy. I mean, I can see it being like a good analog to to that. There we go. I duplicated it. <laughs> There you have it, folks. JB finds this deck to be really good. So if you are interested in this, we have links in the description down below for you to uh, look it up, copy it, and run it run it through. See how you like it. But y'all, made it to an end of another episode. How do y'all feel? Clearly dead. Yep, I'm yes. tired. Thank you, Magic Folk, for making it to the end of episode number 72 of This Week in MTG. You guys are all legendary for doing so. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we post art, we post news articles and stuff there as well. And just keep up to date with Keldheim spoilers on, on those sites. We also have a Discord. And in the Discord, you know, we do the same thing, post news there. But you have a more one-on-one contact with each one of us, uh, unfortunately. JB doesn't know how to use Twitter or Facebook really. So you want you want to talk to him about this new Abzan deck, hit him up on the Discord, join that. Links in the description down below as well. Uh, if you guys have comments, questions, concerns, you can hit us up on any of those platforms, but you can also send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. We really appreciate feedback of any kind. We are striving to be your guys' aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. And before we go, make sure to send some love over to J-Dub Sports Cards and Gaming for sponsoring us. It's a big deal. You know, three schmucks with microphones getting a sponsor is really cool. Now, if you guys have anything else to say? Nope. I'm good. Oh, I'm good too. With that, we'll catch you all next week. See ya. See ya.